Hello there and welcome back to Fully Booked, the Hidden Gems author podcast in which Craig Touch and myself, Roland Hume, chat self-publishing and publishing with some of the leading lights and most interesting figures that we have met in this industry. And today we are delighted to have with us uh, a guest, Colin Glavick, who has written a brilliant trilogy of thrillers and has delved into the fantasy genre. And he is here to talk to us today about research. So Colin, how are you doing? Good. Thank you so much for having me. It's really exciting. Oh, we are very, very happy to have you. And we wouldn't be here, of course, if it wasn't for the man himself, Craig Touch, the owner and founder of Hidden Gems and an author himself. How are you doing today, Craig? I'm doing well, thanks. And uh, welcome, Colin. Um, I think it's funny because you are on here because you originally I was contacted by your dad. And, uh, you know, he was like, oh, my son writes all these books. He just sounded like a huge fan, like your biggest fan, which he should be, right? Um, but then it turns out, like, as I came to find out that you guys actually worked on that series of thrillers together. Um, so, you know, I think he was just sort of saying that he's just your dad. And I think he said you're your publisher, too. But sounds like he had a bit more uh, involvement in them than than just that. So why don't you start off by sort of telling us uh, about how all that works and, and how you got started with him. And then we can go from there into sort of the idea of how you guys research um, all the different things in your books that you don't already know about. Sure. Yeah, I'd love to. So um, a number of years ago, I, I think it was, I want to say like five years ago, maybe six years ago, um, my dad, uh, uh, offered to take me on a trip to Chicago. He wanted to to do kind of a father son bonding trip, um, and uh, we weren't like we were close, but we weren't super super close um, at the time. But uh, I, I I said yes and sure and, and and jumped in anyway. We we went to Chicago. We had a ton of fun, and he said, "Hey, I know you're trying to get into this writing thing, and I was studying theater at the time as well. I, I also do some acting." And he said, um, "Why don't I?" Uh, uh, you know, kind of produce a, a show for you. You can you can be the playwright. You can you can act in it or whatever and direct it. Um, but I'll I'll help you out. So um, we put together a show, um, and then uh, we did another one after that in the Hamilton Fringe. So we did we did two shows that I uh, acted, wrote, and directed, and then he produced. And then he sat me down after that and said, you know, I, I've had this idea for a for a, a spy thriller that I've wanted to do. I want to do something like, you know, Jason Bourne style stuff. I think that's cool. Um, and uh, would you be willing to do a trilogy? And so we we figured out kind of, you know, because there's some of the boundaries. It's kind of difficult working with family and stuff. But we figured out like, okay, I'm the writer. So I've got this much creative license, but I had to write his ideas, right? So the, you know, sort of the initial ideas came from him. And then he wanted it to be set in Latin America was the big draw for him because he had been getting into um spanish he had been learning spanish and then he had traveled he'd gone to guatemala nicaragua cuba um a few other spots and uh he really wanted these books to be uh like having those elements in them you know um he wanted to have the regional stuff down pat he wanted to have expose some people to some culture expose readers to you know local religion and things like that because he was just utterly fascinated by that stuff. And, um, you know, I became fascinated in that by proxy, um, but I really wanted to write books. And so it just turned into a really good partnership. And, um, and yeah, we just finished the the trilogy recently. The third book just, just went off and, um, it's really cool to see it come full circle, you know, um, cause that was, that was a number of years ago that, that all that started. Yeah, that's great. I, that's sort of like exactly how, um, I imagine that is, well, it's a, it's probably the best way to do it, right? If you have, some 
kernel of knowledge, then it makes it easier to do to start with that research. I mean, I imagine if I wanted to write a book about, uh, you know, the Latin or, you know, Spanish, all that stuff, like yeah. all those places that I've never been and have no exposure to, I would probably have a much harder time than someone who at least has had those experiences and has a starting point, knows where it is. Like, I don't know, what would I do? Pick up a map and just <laughs> pick place and be like, ah, oh, he walked over here. Like, I don't know. So, yeah. Yeah. That's, that, that makes sense. That's great. So and they always say, write what you know, but it's like, it's, it's a difficult thing. Cause obviously, unless you're a CIA agent, maybe you are, but it's, it's seems like a good balance that you need to have stat kernel, and then do the research to actually learn more to fill in the blanks. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I, uh, like, the thriller genre was not, uh, you know, what I would consider a native genre to me. Like, I'm a sci-fi fantasy nerd, right? Like, I'm, you know, I'm I'm growing up with that stuff. And uh, I haven't written, or I haven't read that many thrillers, honestly. Um, so I also had to figure out how to write a genre that I was not familiar with or even comfortable with. Um, and then I had to, um, you know, develop that as I went. Um, which was a really cool experience too. Yeah. Did you start off reading some thriller books? Um, you know what? Uh, what I did is I started out with with tropes, right? I started out with, uh, you know, I was thinking about Jason Bourne, James Bond, um, you know, all these things that are just in popular culture. And I thought, okay, what do we know about some of these things already? And I I worked off of stereotypes to begin with. So I had you know, a cold-hearted uh, main character assassin guy. And then I had a bureaucrat guy who was, uh, you know, in in doing the behind-the-scenes stuff. Um, and then I know how different departments step on each other's toes. So I started developing that, and then I made that into a bigger thing than, you know, it, it probably would be in real life. I made it into, like, almost, you know, conspiratorial sort of level. Um, and then I had, you know... Um, sexy female agent, whatever. But then I decided to to take those things and um, I tried, I, I realized that it's actually really hard to write a true stereotype. The stereotypes grow as you're writing them, right? So my my sexy female agent became much more than a sexy female agent. She became, a, you know, one of my favorite characters, really, really clever and really, really cool um, and really, really powerful. And my cold-hearted assassin actually ended up having, you know, a bit of a family influence, a bit of a past, you know, that we, we get to see a little bit of, we get to see a little bit of his family um, and his love for culture and, and things that we wouldn't expect from someone like that. And my bureaucrat um, really hates red tape, right? So he's always trying to cut through his bureaucracy. So, you know, and they just developed naturally. I, I don't think that it was out of any sort of um, really clever moves on my end. I think that just as I wrote these stereotypes, they, they grew out of being, cardboard cutouts into something more because you're spending time with them you're writing words and they they it's a living document right it just it starts to live and breathe on its own yeah I, and I, that's what you want right you don't want to be completely have well, your book full of stereotypes that everyone's like oh, oh here's this one yeah here. yeah yeah but but i found i found that a really good starting point i didn't i didn't think that it would be you know i was just struggling to get something on the page and i was like look i'm just gonna we're just gonna start somewhere you know but it ended up being really like really rewarding in the end. And I wasn't expecting that. So, yeah. You know, from a marketing point of view, that's a really good idea as well. I know a lot of romance authors who are like, okay, I'm going to write a romance book and we're going to have grumpy sunshine. So it's a grumpy guy and a, a happy woman. And they're going to have forced shared a bed. So they, 
thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some but but the, you take these and eventually you write about real human beings who are believable. But having those tropes to start off with makes the book so much more marketable. And I've heard about romance authors doing it, not so much thriller authors. It's kind of a cool thing to, to hear. And it's a cool idea that I'm putting in the back of my noggin. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. I, I know romance is big on tropes. Um, I, I think uh, I think tropes in, in, you know, multiple genres, you have these tropes that are just so standardized. Um, but it's interesting to see where they take you when when you're not, you know, planning on following them through all the way necessarily. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I, I mean, a lot of I mean, a lot of authors do it, too. And I, like in the thriller genre, I read a lot of Jack Reacher. He has he has. Um, well, there's a there's a lot of tropes in those books, but he does a lot of things different than other things. And he actually sometimes calls it out like, oh, you know, this isn't how, you know, Reach is thinking. And so how this isn't how it goes in the movies and the, you know, movies, you hit a guy in the head and you kill him, you know, like, it's not like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, and his, and his endings are always like, I, I want to, I don't want to say anticlimactic because I mean, they're good, but you know, after watching so many spy thrillers where, you know, the, that final battle always right between yeah. the bad guy and the good guy, it's always like a long period with Reacher. It's usually like, you know, he catches the guy, kills him. <laughs> you know, like it's just like it right, shoots right. him. Yeah, done. You know, there's not like this big battle fight. And he he's like, and he says that in the thing. He's like, you know, in real life, you just take the shot when you can. You know, you know yeah. I like was, in James really, Bond, where bad guy has all the you know the exposition, like, oh, Mister Bond, I'm going to tell you all of my plans, and then I'm going to have this long drawn out thing. <laughs> yeah, I I really respect uh, realism. Um, you know, uh, I, I said that I'm into sci-fi fantasy reading. And so when um, when I was exposed to the grimdark genre, you know, for for fantasy, especially, um, that was something that really changed my perspective on like, you know, oh, we, we can get gritty with this. We can get realistic with this. And I've always really appreciated that. Um, and with writing the thrillers, I've I've often found this fine line between, OK, here's the real thing, but the real thing might not be very interesting. How do I like where's the line between going to Hollywood with it where my readers are going to roll their eyes and be like, that wouldn't actually happen. And where is, okay, this is so real that we don't care. You know, like, like I do find there is this right in between and I try to stay realistic as possible, but I still have to play and we still have to make it entertaining. We still have to make it interesting to read. So, yeah. yeah. And that's where some of the research is going to come in. It's not all about, and we'll get to this, but it's not all about, you know, the settings and the religion and the local culture, but sometimes it's about, um, the realistic nature of what you're trying to do. Like, you know, he's trying to, and some, and some things ignore this completely, which is a lot of criticism that a lot of thriller novels get is like, you know, somebody's running beside a plane and they jump on and then it takes off and it gets it. And people are like, that would never happen. You couldn't do that. Blah, blah, blah. You know, like, so you've got to research how realistic something is, and then you got to make that decision about whether or not you care. You know, like, yeah. Yeah. Totally. Still want to serve the story. Right. But um, so, yeah, so let's start off with, you know, these books. So you, your dad wanted to do them in, you know, a certain culture because he has the background. So how did that all get started? He was he just like, OK, let's set this one in this place and here's some stuff or, or like, did he, you know, and then you'd I mean, be like, kinda, okay. right, like, yeah. kind of. um, you, you know, he uh, uh, he had learned the language. He learned Spanish. And he learned it well enough that he was he was fluent, you know, and then he really got into the culture and stuff. And, you know, he'd watch these videos and and immerse himself that way. But eventually then he traveled to these places. Um, and and then, you know, I would I would ask him something like, um, 
you know, okay, where, where's this going to take place? And you say, okay, it's going to take place in, um, like Antigua is, is the first place. And then, uh, I would say, okay, send me a document with, uh, you know, like just some, some notable things, like what are some things that you would kind of want to see in this book? Or what are some things that, um, are notable enough about Antigua that I should definitely be mentioning. And then I would work, I, I would try and look at my plot and then I'd be like, okay, if John needs to get from A to B, maybe he can pass by the Antiguan arch, right? Like maybe he can, and then I can do a little, little historical spiel. I think um, uh, Dan Brown does this well, right? Where he's constantly working in action alongside his research of history, right? Which I think is really yeah. cool. Um, sure. And so I, I would say, you know, John walks by the Antiguan or under the Antiguan arch and the Antiguan arch was, you know, this place where da, 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 this happened. And then, I would be able to kind of fulfill both sides of that coin. And then I would sort of take that off the list, right? Be like, okay, I got, I got that one done. Now, where else can I fit these other things? Um, the interesting thing is when it happens the other way around, you know, I would write something like, um, uh, you know, the guy came up to him and he was wearing yada, yada, yada and long pants. And then dad will read the draft and say, you know, no one wears pants, no Latin American wears pants in, in Latin America. And that's something I would have no idea with like that. That should not be, you know, that, that is not something we would think of just as an average, you know, I'm in North America. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's just, or, or sorry, or the other way around, I think it was, I was writing about them wearing shorts because I assumed, so even I'm getting it wrong now, it was that they don't wear shorts, even though it's hot is the idea is that they wear lo these long pants. And I was just like, it's just something I wouldn't think of. So that was it's really all, cool. It's all I was going to say, everyone in, in Latin America doesn't wear pants. I'm like, this is information. <laughs> yeah. <sorry. laughs> yeah, that might be Brazil, right? I've heard that. <laughs> Um, so yeah, that, that's exactly the, the, the important part of research, I think, is that local flavor, because yeah. anybody can, you know, pull up Wikipedia and read a few things and then stick them in, right? But you're, if you haven't been there, or you don't know somebody who's there, or you don't have beta readers that are from there, you yeah. know, it, it might be hard to get that sort of thing right, because it's just not something, you know, I, I don't remember ever reading, oh, people in Latin America don't wear shorts. Like, I mean, that's just not something you would necessarily know unless you've done some research, gone there, talked to somebody who's been there. Yeah. So, yeah, that's that's totally the kind of thing that I think people, that's important. Like, I remember we went on a trip to, uh, well, we went on a cruise once and um, we went to, I don't even know, I don't remember which little tiny island it was, um, like, St. Lucia, I think maybe it was. And, you know, on the cruise, they, they give you the excursions. You got to pay, you know, you pay and you, they take you on to really the tourist spots, right? Oh, yeah, go yeah. swim or, swim with dolphins or something. It's like, how does that tell me anything about this place that I'm in, right? You could do that anywhere. So one time at, at St. Lucia, we, we actually went to a cab driver and we just said, take us around the city, like where you live, where you go to the market, where you do stuff. And we actually got to see a part of that island that I don't think any of the tourists normally would see because they're going to completely different areas. And that's if I was writing something about that, I would want to write about, right? Because I wouldn't want to be like, oh, write about all these touristy areas. I want to write about the real, you know, St. Lucia or wherever it is. Yeah. yeah. So I think that's good that, you know, that he had been there. Yeah. And, and, and that is, uh, you know, I, I, I owe lots to my father for, you know, publishing and marketing and, and doing that side of things because that's our partnership. Um, but that extra research flavor is, is I think, one thing that we really have in our pockets that make these books a little more unique than um, 
um, than they could have been, you know. Um, not everyone knows a ton about Latin America. I don't know how many um, other other stories or the other thrillers are taking place in Latin America. And there is a history of the CIA sort of meddling in Latin American affairs, which which made it kind of extra spicy for us to, to work with. Right. Um, so for the research in terms of uh, that, you would just, I guess, ask him. And then if he didn't know, uh, where would you go next? <laughs> Yeah, so um, we did have, like, so for example, the language piece, although he's fluent, he's not a native speaker, right? So he would have, um, he'd find someone uh, online to, you know, double check our uh, our Spanish. So uh, it would start, the you know, the first step is uh, I would Google, you know, Spanish swear words or whatever it is that I'm putting in there. I put them in, then dad reads them, then he changes them, then he gets a fluent, you know, native speaker, um, from online who says, oh, well, yeah, technically you could say this, but okay, it has to be changed a little bit that way. Um, there are some things that admittedly, um, you know, you you kind of have to accept at a certain point and be like, look, I did my best here. Um, I've been called out on a few things, right? I'm not, um, the biggest one is like, I'm not a military guy. I don't have military background. Um, I don't have a lot of military uh, contacts. I have one guy who checks my my gun stuff to make sure that you know, my AK-47 doesn't sound stupid or whatever, um, that I'm, I'm, you know, using proper, like, lingo. Um, but I did have, like, I've gotten angry emails from people being like, you know, you called this guy this form of officer or you capitalized this when it shouldn't be. And it's like, at a certain point, I have to be like, look, I, I am still just a writer. I am still just a guy, you know, with a keyboard trying to make things up. Like, I also, I don't work for the CIA, you know. Like, there's only so much I can say and you can get away with a bit especially with clandestine or clandestine stuff because you can be like oh well i don't know if you really know that because it's the cia how, how would anyone know you know like you can kind of fib a little um so i get away with some stuff that way but like at a certain point it's like if, if you put in the work i had i had a professor who told me this once and i really take it to heart it's like if you put in the work uh, and you do your best then, then you really have nothing to worry about like at a certain point you have to let the thing live and and other people will you know, give me that criticism and, and I can always make edits. I can always make those changes and say, hey, you're, you know, you're right. Thanks for pointing that out. You know, I'll, I'll change up the, the PDF and upload it. You know, thank you for the, the feedback. You know, yeah. that's, that's one of the big benefits, right, of, a, of an ebook. We've talked about that before. You can just go make the edit, re-upload and be like, OK, now it's fixed. <laughs> yeah. But the thriller genre in particular, the people are incredibly discerning. It's like um, in romance, I remember mentioning to one romance writer, it's like, oh, you got a CIA agent in D.C., CIA, like outside of uh, of America. And she was like, my readers don't care. Whereas <laughs> in the thriller <laughs> industry, it's, it's yeah. like, yeah, they care about these details a lot. I remember one guy writing an angry email because somebody had a, a screw on silencer for their MP5. And it's like, that's actually an MP5A5 or whatever. And it's like, these little details matter to them. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, I think I'm maybe I'm blessed in that regard that I don't think a lot of my readers are reading my books for, um, you know, the hardcore sort of military references that I'm making. I think that they're I think that they're they're they might call me out on the Latin American stuff before they would call me out on that other stuff. And that stuff we is the stuff that I'm more trying to get right first you know yeah. uh, i'm okay going a little hollywood on the gun stuff i don't want to go to hollywood on you know latin american culture like i really don't want to get that wrong because that's a you know a, a real thing that's that that we're trying to portray accurately um yeah so again like a little bit of give and take you know uh and and i think a lot of my readers 
I, I think there's a lot of grace, you know, when they when they read these, they're like, look, this is it's entertainment first. There's these uh, these cool research elements, these cool um, regional pieces. Um, and then, uh, you know, we can talk about how a proper paratrooper lands, you know, last, hopefully. <laughs> right. Yeah, I've, uh, there's so many things that you probably don't even know that you don't know as well, right? That you wouldn't even think to check, uh, like a proper paratrooper land, landing. If I was writing that, I wouldn't even think twice about it. I'd be like, he landed, you know? <laughs> like, I wouldn't even know if there was a, a right way to do it or a wrong way until somebody, you know, called me out on it. Yeah. <laughs> That's part of it, I guess. Knowing what to research. Oh, I lose you. Oh. Uh, yeah, knowing what to research is uh, is I think sometimes half the battle, right? Yeah, yeah, that's a really good point. I, I sometimes don't think of that, but it's like, what is the priority here? You know, um, and my my priority, um, I've argued with people about this before, but you know, my first priority is just to tell a coherent story. Like that's that's the first thing. Can I make this thing make sense? And yeah, that's a lot harder than uh, I I think it's I think it's a very difficult thing, like frankly, because I'm all over the place a lot of the time. Um, and then that accuracy yeah and i think you chose kind of a hard harder genre uh, than maybe some others like we were saying uh, how you you're writing sci-fi or fantasy novels uh, next right and that yeah. especially if it's magic based which i think yours are yeah. there's there's more latitude you can you're kind of making stuff up right yes um i have found uh I, like there it's it's writing it's totally different writing experience um the advantage is when you're writing a something like a thriller it takes place in the real world you know so it's easy for me to be like okay if he needs to get somewhere he takes a car like i, I know how to do that if i was writing a you know high medieval fantasy you know you have to go through the the difficulty of being like okay is this a horse is this a carriage can they walk you know what are the distances you know all that stuff um, which I find challenging. So thrillers are nice in that respect where you can do stuff kind of in that, that contemporary setting and that contemporary way. Um, on the other hand, yeah, you're absolutely right. When with the magic, you can play fast and loose and make up your own rules and be like, all right, all demons are going to be this way. All right, great. Let's have some fun with that. You know? Yeah. yeah. And if you're making up your own world, as opposed to sort of like an urban fantasy or whatever, where it's in sort of in the real world, then the geography doesn't matter either. You know, you make it up as you go along, you draw a little map at the end, put it in the front of the book and <laughs> you're yeah. done. Right. And, and you know what? Sometimes it leads to like really big plot problems. Like I'll, I'll give you one that happened in uh, um, Cuban conspiracy. So I wrote this, like this sick graveyard scene where, um, you know, without without spoiling too much, um, there's there's a, a bunch of grave digging going on, and there's this. Uh, it's a really cool scene. Uh, and Dad was like, "Yeah, this is really cool, but there, that's not how graves work in Cuba. The uh, they go in a uh, like a like a coffin, and then they sort of sit in like a tomb. Like it's not act like you okay. pop the lid off a tomb, and you. It's not actually like a digging. You don't dig through the dirt and then bury someone like that. In 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 you know. So I had to. Suddenly, and I was like, oh, but this affects the way that these characters are going to fight because yada, yada, yada. Um, and so I had to, you know, change that. Um, it, so it, the, the culture, like, sometimes informs the plot, right? And the plot sometimes informs the culture, um, which I think is so important. Someone told me uh, a long time ago, they said, you know, if you're having something take place in, you know, any kind of setting, 
the setting becomes a character, right? And that that really happens with Latin America, like the whether it takes place in Guatemala or Nicaragua or Cuba throughout the series, that that place becomes a character that informs our character choices. What are they able to do? You know, are they able to bribe these guards or no? You know, are they able to um, talk to someone um, of a of a different station? You know, so on and so forth. That's really interesting. And I think the other thing with the thrillers, what I found so interesting about your trilogy is that there's a lot of stuff that people aren't necessarily aware of in which the CIA got involved in like stuff in, in Latin America. And like, yeah. even though what you write is fiction, a lot of what you talk about is stuff that does then lead into people finding out more about the real life history of American involvement in the South and stuff. So I guess yeah. that's kind of like a burden that you have when you don't, when you are not writing th- you know, fantasy stuff, you're writing about real places, real people, real cultures, real cultures, and also our influence on those cultures. Sure. Yeah. So, so the, the last book, uh, I really wanted to dedicate to people of Latin America, um, because, um, you know, we've been in this setting for so long and I wanted to sort of acknowledge that I'm in this setting that is not, you know, is not my own. And, um, I feel like a guest, you know, I'm like a guest writer. writing that region and that culture and that. Uh, and I'm hoping that that brings an interest from people who are not from that region to be excited about that place, you know? Um, that would be really nice. Um, yeah, yeah. Oh, I think it I would. Spark some sure. tourism, yeah. <laughs> I, I think that, you know, I like what you had said about the the setting becomes its own character. I think that that's a good point. And it's, it's, it's tough to get that right if you're not from there. I mean, he, you know, like we were saying with your fantasy stuff and, 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 you know, you could drive in a car on the, on the thrillers and the fantasy, you take a horse and whatever, but you're making up the destinations as you go, if it's in your own world or whatever, uh, you know, sometimes with that local, um, when you're setting something locally, you kind of have to almost know the area. Well, um, especially if people are sort of, you know, traveling, you know, a small town or, or, or area, right. Because there might be like, you know, do you take the main roads or, or would the local people know you'd always take these side roads and you'd run down, yeah. those alleys, you know, um, I always, when I was writing romance, I would, I would almost never specify the city that I was in because I just, okay. I just didn't want to get things wrong and have people sending me emails like, Oh, it's not how, you know, that's not like, what am I going to do? Pick up a map and be like, you know, okay, this street yeah. connects to this. Like, so I, I mean, I get it. A lot of people will, if they live in New York, they'll all their books will be in New York and then they can really get that local flavor. Right. But um, mm-hmm. I always felt I wanted them to be sort of U S based, but I'm in Canada. So I didn't know enough about it to, to uh to write about so it was always super generic (laughs) yeah i i find um so i i let the the reader fill in you know a bunch of their imagination um you know so if you if you just say this takes place somewhere then they can kind of picture a bunch of things and then if you can just i I try and find like just a bunch of like you know big like iconic things and then what i do is to get the little stuff is i often will like just look up on google maps and then i'll like mention a street and then you know that kind of like people are like oh wow like, you must know this place pretty good because you mentioned the street and it's like well you know it's not hard just to look up and just find a street um it's harder when again like like what i need my dad for is to call me out on the things that are like really obtuse like again i just remembered i had this other plot hole i had this really cool 
um, beach fight, you know, it happens in the water and da -da -da, all this really cool stuff is happening. And the dad is like, like, this is a landlocked city. <laughs> like there is no beach, like anywhere. Like we do not have a lake, like we don't have anything. So I was like, okay, I guess we're gonna have a beach. You know, like, you know, stuff like that has to sometimes happen. But, but yeah, I find um, what I would do, especially for, I especially did this in Nicaragua in particular, is I had a map open almost all the time because there was a bunch of like chases and a bunch of like places where they're traveling on a highway. Um, and they were going through all these like different student barricades because they're protesting the government. Um, and so I was following along like where these barricades would kind of generally be. Um, and then like how to get to the airport and like stuff like that. And I just, I just mapped it all. I just followed the map. And then I would just, you know, I would write all that and then I would double check with dad. And I think there was one time he said, oh, it would make more sense to take this street or, or this street isn't referenced that way. It would be referenced this way, you know, but other than that, we were able to actually have like a logic map thing, but you're right. It makes it way more complex. It's a lot, you know, anytime things get more complex, there's more room for error. Um, I had to be doing like distances and times, which becomes very, very frustrating because if you have time sensitive things, or if you have switching perspectives, you know, how long is this guy chasing them in a helicopter for? Okay, well, they've been, they've gotten 10 kilometers on this highway so far, I guess, because that's how far the airport is from this point. Oh, God, what a mess. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's the, the, the thing that I really hits home with me is like, if you're writing a book where you have to do a lot of research about this sort of thing, it's almost like you really need to have either uh, somebody you can talk to if you don't know it yourself. You need somebody you can talk to who does. You need beta readers that do or or just just people that are willing to have a look at your book. And I think most authors that do a lot of research do have these contacts. But for people that are thinking about it, I can't stress enough that I think that's personally, I think that's one of the most important things. Because just in those two examples you gave with like the grave scene and the beach scene, you know, those are just things that like you would just write because it's a cool scene yeah. and you wouldn't even think that that doesn't make sense. And till somebody who reads it would be like, that's obvious. You should have known that. And it's just, it's not even something you would have thought to look up. Like I wouldn't have thought, Oh, I'm writing a cemetery scene. Let me make sure Latin America has cemeteries. <laughs> like, I mean, I don't know. That yeah. makes sense to me. Yeah. And that's totally, what totally. And it makes it, I, it, I wrote, I wrote, I've never been to Las Vegas, but you know, I'm familiar with American culture because I live in America and I wrote a, a book and I did the same thing as you with Google Maps. I was doing a car chase. So I was basically doing the car chase in Google Maps. And then someone said, it's like, oh, wow, it's like I was really there, which made me feel good. But um, there, there are other times. And I think the people who are familiar with places find that annoying. I've got Paris in my background. I used to live in Paris. I watch movies all the time where like the heroine arrives in Paris and she drives past the Champs Elysees and then the, the Eiffel Tower and then the Musée d'Orsay. And I'm like, none of those places are anywhere near each other. This is a completely fictional route. Who, where is your taxi driver taking you? And these things matter to the people who they matter to. Yeah. I, I think, uh, one thing we have to ask ourselves as writers is, you know, why are we writing that setting, you know, or, or why are we writing that research? You know, why is that important? Um, and, and again, thinking about the setting as a character that informs us or thinking about the research that then impacts the, um, the plot or what a character might do, um, or even give a plot twist. Right. Um, those, those things are, I think so important because they have to, they justify why you have that, that research in the first place. Um, you know, and, and it's more integrated, right? So you don't have research that is separate from your other story elements. 
like it all should work together ideally right it doesn't always it's not always that easy um i definitely struggle with that but when those things come together it's like mm, chef's kiss right beautiful yeah and it's a different kind of research that you have to do when it's like we we're saying like when it's based in reality like this or fantasy but that doesn't mean there isn't research to do in fantasy I, I, like you were saying about um you know how long it would take you to get there on horseback or on foot or whatever but um, you know, a lot of fantasy is written in sort of like medieval kind of times, right? And so, yeah. so you might need to do research in that, even if you're, you know, even if you're setting it in in a in a fictional world, you know, you still kind of want to get some things like accurate in the sense that like you're not going to have things that just don't make any sense, you know, even in a fictional world, yeah. like, like why you wouldn't have that, you know, like in, everybody's, yeah. a, you know. So and then and then the magic system and stuff like that, you're making it all up, right? But you have to um maybe not research, but you have to certainly plan uh plan out how it all works so that it all makes sense, right? And in your world, right? So you can't totally, just make it up totally. as you go along, right? <laughs> yeah. I guess you'd yeah, have I, to be I found these challenges, yeah. You'd have to be more I think of uh when you're doing a book like this worth a lot of research, I imagine it would be far more beneficial to be a plotter rather than a pantser. That's my thought on it. What do you think? I don't know. Maybe Probably. I'm wrong. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. I so I guess you're a pantser. <laughs> oh God. I, so I, yeah, I am a pantser. Um, I, I am such a mess that I even uh, write out of order. So um, I wrote, you know, I'll write chapter 10. It will be my the third chapter that I write. Um, you know, I don't, I don't know. Like, there's some things that I'm like, I don't know how much I should when I talk publicly about my books, right? But uh, I actually wrote like one of my big action scenes in the first book. It was like one of the second or third scenes I wrote because Dad, like, I wrote a, I, I wrote you know a few chapters and Dad was like, this is kind of boring. And I was like, yeah, well, I'm trying. And then I, I. I you know, I went to my my computer in a rage at like sometime like late at night, and I wrote this action scene, and I didn't know what I didn't know why the people were fighting, but I was like, these these people are gonna fight, and there's gonna be a conflict, and I wrote this whole thing, and then I gave it to Dad, and then he was like, this is great, and I was like, I will justify it, and I did later on, I like I put in a little side thing, and then this guy's you know in his office being like, oh these guys attacked us, and we have to do this this and this, I'm like great, explains it, it's done, it fits into the story copy paste chapter 10 into the middle of the book. Great. Like, you know, I just have all these sticky notes everywhere that went things together. Um, in the, uh, it, I'm a little bit more organized now in um, uh, Operation Nicaragua, which is the second book. Um, Dad actually put together a really helpful outline because he had this like vision for the book. He was like, I think, I think this is kind of what happens. So I took that and then I, you know, I messed around with it and I added a bunch of stuff. In Cuban conspiracy, um, neither of us really knew where it was going to go um but one thing that i did near the end of the book is i went back and like inserted a bunch of research because i actually felt that i hadn't i, did, I felt like there's a couple things that just weren't flavorful enough and so i went back in and i was like hey i can do more with this scene or oh john it says that john drives over here you know what's a landmark that i can insert there you know there are things like that that, that as a as a writer we sometimes forget in that editing process especially or in multiple drafts how you can kind of, I call it cheating, quite frankly, where you can go back into your work and, and you know, like insert stuff. And, and then when you publish it, it looks like it's been there the whole time. 
Um, yeah. You know, you guys have probably heard that quote from Neil Gaiman where he says, editing is just making it look like you knew what you were doing the whole time, right? Yeah. Um, writing that second draft, right? Uh, so, you know, take advantage of that, but with research, right? Specifically with research, you can just insert stuff and, and um, you can find better places for things. Yeah, no, for sure. You want to, I mean, I'm sure even, even when you're plotting, there's going to be stuff that you write later in the book and you're going to think, uh, I could probably set this up a little better earlier if I mentioned this or if I, you know, especially in a thriller, it's like all of a sudden he's in some situation that maybe he planned, you know, he's in a, he's in a locked cage and needs to escape. And, oh, if only he had like a, a, a like a pen knife or something and then be like, oh, yeah. well, let me go back to chapter two and be like, oh, and he got his pen knife and put it in his shoe or whatever, you know, like, <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, I don't think it's cheating. It, it's like you said, it's editing, right? Yeah. And I mean, that's that's the whole thing. A book at the end of the day is like a jigsaw puzzle, isn't it? It's like Neil Gaiman said, the, the first draft is you telling yourself the story. Then the second draft is making it look like you did it on purpose. And sometimes it, in this yeah. case, they're putting the pieces in and then it's like, OK, that piece actually belongs there. It's it's quite a, it's quite a convoluted and beautiful thing when you think about how stories are assembled. And the research is so important because it just wins over that authenticity. So we're nearly actually approaching the, the top of the hour. So I was going to quickly say, Colin, what is your advice? If someone is writing a story and they're concerned about the level of authenticity in it, what is your advice to them about how to go around researching it? Yeah, I, um, I think uh, so. A few things. I think one of them is, first of all, recognize that your readers have a bit of grace. Right. So um, I would hate for someone to be you know, passionate and excited to write something and then say, Oh, readers are going to challenge me on this. I shouldn't even try. It's like no, readers. Readers will give you a chance, you know, to to do that. So so take that chance and and do it first. You know, readers want to read something good. They're they're excited to read. So you know, try and deliver that. Um, the next thing is, you know, give it an honest shot um, and and just look stuff up. And slowly you will find different things connected. So when I was doing research on um, Cuban cemeteries, right, I found this really cool blog about like death in Cuba. And I started reading that. And, and, you know, so your research will take you to different areas and you will start absorbing stuff, you know, even from your initial place, you will be able to kind of go down that rabbit hole and find other stuff that then is more, um, more than just Wikipedia, right? You'll be able to find those, those enhanced experiences. Um, and then I think the, the last thing is if possible, try and get um, someone as close to the source as possible. So in my case, obviously, um, my dad, but uh, even we have people double checking our language or I have my gun guy, you know, who's my, my lovely neighbor, Dave, um, you know, people, people helping, helping you out. Um, it, 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 it doesn't have to be just you. It doesn't have to just be you in this war of, I have to figure this all out and I have to know all this stuff. It's like, no, like there might be people on your side that you can, um, you can use like beta readers or, or whatnot, or people that you can find online, just double check something. I mean, um, I, I've heard other authors, you know, post in forums before. Actually, I was on Reddit uh, looking up a translation of, um, you know, um, Cuban um, centuria like deities and the Orisha versus Oricha. And like there was a debate on Reddit and I just read it, read the Reddit post. And, and you know, that was just informative. Um, so, so yeah, I, I think those are some things that I would say. Um, but I, I really, I would really hate someone to be so intimidated you know, setting somewhere unique that then they would shy away from it completely. I think it's worth a shot. 
absolutely. Well, that is fantastic advice. Craig, do you have any more questions before we wrap things up? Uh, no, I agree. It, it's great advice. I think, um, like I said, I, I agreed completely that uh, having having people to run some of this stuff by is super key because my biggest fear of all this is not necessarily like the research being done right of the stuff that I thought to research, but uh, more about the stuff that I didn't think to research that I didn't realize was not a thing. I I, yeah. I remember in one book I had, um, I uh, I just wrote something about some kind of food. It was a chi- it's a it was a Chinese food dish that we have here, chicken balls with this glowing red sauce. You know, you know, right? Uh, Roland, you have no idea. I can see by your face, I, right? Yeah. I had no idea that that was that's a Canadian thing, or it's a Canadian food thing, right? Yeah, exactly. So I had that in there, and then I had some people say to me, "What is this thing you're talking about?" I'm like, "What do you mean? It's chicken balls. Everybody eats chicken balls. Like that's like everybody eats chicken balls here in Canada, and they have the glowing red sauce and or orange sauce, and everybody knows that." But it, I had no idea that that wasn't a thing in the U.S., or at least not in a bunch of places in the U.S. Uh, until somebody said to me, "Yeah." Yeah, that's not a thing. It's just, it's always those things that you don't even think uh, of that are going to trip you up, I think, right? And those are the details that really, really make things pop, though. Yeah. So, uh, Colin, where can people find your books? Yeah, um, I mean, the best place is, is probably Amazon. That's the place that most people go to grab my stuff. But um, but we are we are wide, so um, we should be, uh, you know, at your favorite bookseller, you can... You can do a little search. If you Google my name, if you Google the books, you should be able to find it anywhere. That is fantastic. Well, thank you so much for joining us. I think this has been a really, really interesting conversation. And it's it's funny we hadn't touched on research before, considering it's such like a, a cornerstone, especially in like the thriller genre. So hopefully people watching this have found this a very interesting discussion. And if you have, make sure to leave Colin a comment down below and hit that like button, whether you're listening to us as a podcast or on YouTube. And don't forget to subscribe. So Colin, thank you very much, Greg. uh, We will be back again next week with another episode of Fully Booked. Stay tuned. (laughs)